if the lane's there between the tackles, Lenny Fournette can get up the middle and punish a defender and, and, and you know, truck him. Like, we're, we saw that plenty. He had plenty of six, seven, eight-yard runs where he ran a guy over. Uh, and, you know, White had a few carries that went nowhere, but White also had some explosive runs, especially at the end of the game to help milk the clock out. And you could tell Brady was fired up. Everybody was kind of responding to Rashad White there at the end after Lenny went out. Do the Bucks have a new starting featured back in Rashad White? Coming off that big game against Seattle and Germany. And what does that mean for Leonard Fournette? We'll be weighing in on that throughout the program. But first and foremost, it's the Bucks Wire podcast. Welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by my friend Luke Easterling, the managing editor of USA Today's Bucks Wire. Luke, how you doing this week, my man? I mean, two, two straight wins, man. Going into the bye week, back to 500. Um, and this, this win feels different than the Rams win, right? The Rams win felt like, oh boy, they, they, that offense still looked rough for most of that game, and they just messed it at the end. It felt good to beat the Rams, right? But you, then you kind of sit back and think, you're like, wow, they really snatched that one at the very end against a really bad team. Like, let's just be honest, the Rams yeah. are bad. Yeah, right they're now. three and six. They're not and good. Even, and they had Stafford, and they had Cooper Cup, like, and they were still pretty bad. Um, so, so that win was like, okay, that was nice. But like we didn't know anything more about the Bucks than we knew the, the weeks before, right? We we they looked pretty much like the same team. Um, Sunday was a different beast. Sunday was a different beast, man. They went in against one of the hottest teams in the league. Seahawks won four games in a row. We talked about it on the on the podcast, right? Very balanced team that was running the ball really well, taking their shots deep, you know, because you had to play the run, you know, against Kenneth Walker and Geno's playing so efficient. I mean, they just came out and punched him in the mouth, man. The offense looked smooth. They had the Bucks had. Three, all three of their touchdown drives on Sunday were 80-plus yards. They had two of those back-to-back. So 88-yard drive, touchdown, 86-yard drive, touchdown. You know, so many things that we saw on Sunday were what we expected in the preseason, right? And so when you do that against a really good team and you think about the context of that game, and I know we're going to get into this later, but, you know, being in Germany and all that, the hoopla, the different state, it's really, really easy for that to test the mental toughness of a team that, has struggled with showing mental toughness at times this year. So just a lot of a lot of positive answers to a lot of questions that we've had about the Bucks so far this season. That's that's really what we saw on Sunday. That was a statement win. The Rams game felt good. This one says, okay, we're actually moving in the right direction with something real here. No doubt. Way more efficient, right? Excellent on third down. Yeah. Ten of fifteen. Ten of fifteen. They scored twice. Ten of fifteen and one for nine for Seattle. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, the defense is They've been there all year, though, really. The defense has been great for the most part, besides a few blips, right? The defense we've been able to hang our hat on. It's the offense that it's just like, guys. And uh, and it's it's been a head-scratcher because it's not like we haven't had Mike Edwins and Chris Godwin and Tom Brady. And, like, come on, like, what's going on? I know the offensive line, but they were just excellent in this game. Third down, 10 of 15. Again, against a hot Seattle team, a defense that's been improving, as you talked about last week, uh, too, Luke. They scored twice in their three red zone trips. And I just think... Honestly, folks, no pun intended here at all. I love Tom. I'm not trying to throw a pun out at him at all. He was more engaged. He was more engaged in this in this game. He was as engaged as I've seen him all year. He was as normal, looking more like the Tom uh, that we saw in 2020 and 2021. Happy Tom, uh, you know, just just the stuff. The let's go Tom Brady instead of the miserable, mopey, disgusted Tom. You know what I mean? And he was he was that guy. I don't know if it was. Germany, I don't know if it was, you know, him and Giselle finally, you know, putting the rumors to rest, announcing the divorce thing, getting that behind him, Luke. 
I know there's memes out there that Tom is now undefeated since the divorce. I'm, I'm not trying to go there, but I'm just saying there was something about him in this. He, he seemed to like really enjoy the trip to Germany and all of it. And uh, this is best game of the season. I thought the best the Bucks offense has looked all year long in this ball game. That's something that that's a good thing to hang your hat on going into the bye week to think that. All right, we already had the defense rolling. Now the offense is looking a little bit better. Brady might be back. Now we can start actually, the, the Bucks aren't done. Maybe it seemed like they were when they were, you know, a few games below 500 there. But now we're back at 500 and there's some winnable games on the schedule in the second half and here we go, right? Here we go. It, it, maybe this thing isn't over just yet. That's a good sign going into the bye week. I'm, I'm happy that's the storyline that we can latch on to heading into the bye week, I guess yeah. I should say. Yeah, for sure. And again, you could speculate all day long about what has kind of spearheaded Brady's, you know, success the last couple of weeks or the last week and then the end of the Rams game. But it, it, part of it might be a chicken and egg thing. Like you can say that, oh, he's, you know, playing better and they're winning because he's in better spirits or whatever. But it might be the other way around, right? It might be the fact that that, that drive against the Rams really sparked him up. It was like, okay, we, we can still do this. We're, we're capable. And then you go into Seattle or you're, you're going to, you go into Munich and, and, Maybe it felt like that on that kind of stage, he was reminded like, oh, this is, this is what I do. This is what I do. You know, big games like this where everybody, the whole world is watching, we're over in this unique experience. It felt Super Bowl adjacent, right? That type of atmosphere where it's just a, a whole different ball game than a regular, regular season game. And maybe it just, I don't know, maybe it sparked something in him that, that was, you know, maybe we got Super Bowl Tom, you know, for those four quarters where he's like, okay, I'm reminded like, this is how I am not. I am not one o'clock. You know, can't move the ball against the Panthers and Steelers, Tom Brady. Like that's not me. I'm 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 the guy. I'm the goat. Uh, and maybe maybe there's something to that. Um, but I think winning cures all ills. And I think once you do start making a play here and there, things start going your way. I think it's very easy to get back into that mode where you're like, wait a minute, we're, we're the best damn offense in the league last year. We scored thirty points a game. We can still do this, and we're not dead yet. So. You know, again, you can speculate all day long about what caused what, um, but at the end of the day, I think Buck fans are just happy to see the team, you know, putting long drives together, putting the ball in the end zone, watching Julio Jones outrun people down the sideline, what like we imagined he would be able to do at the beginning of the season, um, watching Chris Godwin look like he's finally back to maybe 100%. Why in the world was Nick Leverett not playing left guard all year is what I would like to know. <laughs> you go look, go look at the film, go the look at Pro Football better. Focus, yep. whatever you want, whether you like analytics, you want to just rely on the film. There's, it's painfully obvious that Nick Leverett is just such a huge upgrade over Nick, uh, over Luke Gadecki. Uh And nothing against the rookie. I mean, again, there's a kid who played right tackle exclusively at Central Michigan, and you're asking him to switch to left guard week one and start for, for an NFL team and, and, and protect Tom Brady. It's just that's too much, too much for a kid. Um, and I, I think they still have high hopes for him, and hopefully he gets back healthy and, and, and provides some depth and, and can learn a bit more slowly. But right now, it's clear Nick Leverett is the better you know, player and should have been really, it's hard not to wonder what that offense would have looked like if a guy like that was blocking the whole time. Um, so yeah, just, you know, you learn things, you figure them out. I know we're going to get to the running backs here in a second, but everything is trending in the right direction and just about every way for the Bucks, And that's exactly what you want to see going into the bye week. Yeah. Everything was just in more rhythm, the protection, the ball coming out of Tom's hands, uh, guys catching the football, first downs, moving the chains, long drives, scoring touchdowns. It was just all better. And yeah, you just hit it. It's the running game was noticeable. 
Now, once you got that running game 60, going, sixty yards a game going into this game, dead last in the NFL, and they rushed for a buck forty-one. Man, that was that was that was fun to watch. So noticeable. So no, I mean, and that that really did open it up, right? It, it really Seattle had to start respecting it, and you can put Brady under center, and you can start doing all the stuff, right? Once you put Brady under center, right. use motion, play action, forget it, yeah, and. Really, this wasn't a game where Brady even threw to his running backs. It was all wide receivers, which I kind of like that, too. That was kind of cool. Yep. I mean, this wasn't a big Rashad White catching the football day or Lenny Fournette. It was a big Rashad White rushing the football day, Luke. You were writing about this, made you look like a freaking genius. Uh, you you talked about it on the podcast. You wrote a big article about it, why Rashad White should be the starter for the Bucks going forward. And then he starts the game. So I'm like, man, Luke, I texted you, I think. I'm like, man, got my coffee, watching Tom Brady. I'm happy as a clam on my couch, and I'm like, look at Luke. He called it. Rashad White is freaking starting. Lenny Fournette's watching from the sideline. Now, Fournette was very much involved in the game before he left with a hip injury, but Rashad White starts the game. He ends up with 22 carries, 100-yard game. 22 carries, Luke? I mean, he had a career high in carries by the time it was halftime in this one. So they definitely wanted to get the kid more involved, even when Fournette was you know, not injured yet with the hip, uh, and, which was interesting to see. Uh, so Rashad White has stated his case, as you put on a headline on Bucks Wire uh, this week, right? He stated his case now to be the Bucks' number one running back going forward. I'm hearing from other Bucks reporters on Twitter and stuff that it seems like the team is planning to do that and to keep featuring him. What do you think? What's going to go on with the backfield now? How is that divvied up if Fournette is coming back healthy after the bye? You know, I think it's it's most it's most likely that it's going to look like what most NFL teams want to do. No, no NFL team really wants one guy in the backfield anymore. You know, we, we had that whole generation of, you know, you know, LaDainian Tomlinson and Sean Alexander and, and all these backs where, where offenses were built around. We have this one running back who can do everything at such a high level, Edron James, you know, all these guys. And I know I'm, you know, I'm picking out hall of famers and, and stuff like that, but from a strategy standpoint and team building standpoint, no team wants to have one running back, touching the ball 40 times, 35, 40 times a game because they wear out, right? I mean, it, more than any other position, you see the, the kind of shelf life of a running back. It's really that rookie contract and then nobody wants to resign him, right? Um, so I think every team wants to have not only guys that can do different things well so you can have different guys for different situations, but it's nice to have guys that can do everything, but you got to have multiple guys so that you're not wearing them down. And I think Lane Letty, for, you know, situation in particular, you got a guy who, when he's the featured back, he'll start to break down. We saw it at the end of last season where he got banged up towards the end. Um, and I think the Bucks came into this season saying, first of all, we need a pass-catching specialist so he's not on the field all the, all the time on third downs, even though he did really, really well at that last year. You don't want him to have to be out there all the time. So they went and got Rashad White, one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league, but a better runner than I think a lot of people gave him credit for. Um, and so I, I think even after this performance from Rashad White, Regardless of who starts what game, and again, that might have been impacted by the fact that Lenny didn't have his passport until like four hours before they got on the bus. Which crazy is ridiculous story. to me, by the way. You knew he was. You knew you were going to Munich. Eight what the hell, ago. man? Get it in the mail. Let's get it done. Come on. There's no excuse for that. Um, but you know, so maybe they were preparing a little bit. Like, hey, worried. Maybe he's not going to be on the plane. That's not good. Um, so maybe the script had something to do with that. I don't really care. At the end of the day, I think from the Bucks' perspective, they'll look at it and say, "Listen, we know what Lenny brings." starting to discover what Rashad brings. And we, you know, we kind of expected that. That's what we hoped for when we drafted him. 
I don't know if it's going to be, uh, okay, he's the featured guy now and you're the backup. I think it's going to be very much, let's use both of these guys as much as possible in tandem with one another so that, you know, I don't think they care as much about what happens next Sunday against Cleveland in terms of their workload as much as they care about whether or not when they have a home playoff game as the four seed against the Giants or the Cowboys or whatever, having both of those guys as healthy and fresh as possible to do as much as, you know, whatever they want to on offense and to have those guys healthy and fresh. I think that's what they're looking at. Let's make sure these guys have a balanced workload the rest of the season here so that when we get to the playoffs and it really matters, we've got both of these guys at their, their top, you know, at the top of their game because that's really what matters. We want to go win another championship. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. It almost seemed like they were rotating series there and it, it seemed to be working out pretty well. And you're looking at Fournette and on some of the, you know, after he would get, you know, they would ride him a little bit, give him four or five touches in a row, Luke. He'd come off the field. He looked like he was like laboring off the field, right? A little bit. Because you're yeah. watching his body language. You can't help but watch his body language to see if he's pissed that he's seeding carries to the rookie, right? You can't, you can't help as a fan but do that. And I was watching him like, I don't know if he's mad. I just think he's, he's banged up. You know, he seemed like, right. and, he, and he could still give you it. I mean, he's still punishing guys. Like, you block it right. If the lane's there between the tackles, Lenny Fournette can get up the middle and punish a defender and, and, and you know, truck him. Like, we're, we saw that plenty. He had plenty of six, seven, eight-yard runs where he ran a guy over. Uh, and, you know, White had a few carries that went nowhere. But White also had some explosive runs, especially at the end of the game to help milk the clock out. And you could tell Brady was fired up. Everybody was kind of responding to Rashad White there at the end after Lenny went out. Uh, so, yeah, you, you have to imagine the kid is going to get more touches. I don't know if he's going to get 22 carries a game. And it'd be nice to see him kind of mix some pass plays in there as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting to me. Fournette has the hip injury. He's not, it doesn't sound like he's going on IR or anything like that, right, Luke? Like the reports are, I know Todd Bowles kind of downplayed it. Shocker with these coaches downplaying injuries or, or not telling us anything, but it, it doesn't sound like Lenny's going on the IR. So we could assume they'll both be back. And, and that's probably the best thing for the Bucks, right? You got kind of the power guy in Fournette. You got more of a speed guy, more elusive guy yep. in White. They both can catch the ball. You could put them both on the field together if you want. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do. It's going to be a good thing. And I'm also like we're about to get our fantasy segment here from the huddle.com. Now, I'm smart enough to read your stuff on Bucks Wire, and I follow you on Twitter, Luke. So I knew that you were high on Rashad White. I heard that White was going to be getting a little bit more run in this game. And I had some issues at running back. You know, I went with the no running back strategy. My first two picks were Justin Jefferson and then Mark Andrews in this 14-team league I'm in. So I don't have a lot of good running backs. Ezekiel Elliott's one of them, but he was going to be inactive. So I actually started Rashad White. I started Rashad White in this game. I'm like, I hope Luke's on to something. And uh, should I... Should I leave him in my lineup now going forward when they come out and play the Browns in a, in a week? Like, what do you think? Is he now, is it time to fire up Rashad White? Is the time now? I mean, I think you got to be afraid that if you don't, you're, you're, he's going to keep playing that way, right? right I think right. That, that, I think the only thing that would concern me is, again, the, the, the strategy from the team is most likely going to be let's split the carries, let's thunder and lightning every, you know, every defense to death and have Lenny with power. Let's have Rashad who can go side to side and cut and, and he's explosive and, and can make big plays and bounce things outside. I think you're gonna see a healthy dose a healthy healthy dose of both of those guys if they're healthy. Obviously monitor Lenny, I, I think, you know, I think it was uh Adam Schefter that said that Lenny's hip injury is, is gonna be all right by the time the Browns game and obviously Todd was pumping the brakes on that a little bit on uh, on Monday or Tuesday and 
And so we know, you know, we don't know if he's going to be at full strength for that Cleveland game. But I, I just, I think we'll have to see more than one game like that from Rashad in terms of the workload and the production to, to see whether or not in terms of fantasy, I would be comfortable with him being a, a an RB1, RB2 every week just because you don't know how much that workload is going to be divvied up. You don't know who's going to get the goal line carries from time to time. It's going to be really iffy who gets the touchdowns and who gets the catches if you're in a PPR league. So still something to monitor for now, but you have the upside that we saw on Sunday. It's there, man. I, I'd never done the, the no running back thing before. I'd always pick two running backs first two rounds. I just was always doing that. So, you know, I had to stash guys. I stashed Rashard White. I've actually picked him up after the draft that I stashed him, and I stashed uh, Brian Robinson Jr. on the on my um, injured right. list because he was out with the gunshot thing. And they both came back. Now they they might be my starting running backs starting next week. So uh, that's that's where I'm at when, with my fantasy team. How's your fantasy teams doing out there? I hope you're listening to Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com. He gives advice every week, and here's his advice for week 11. This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to bring you strong plays for week number 11. New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones versus the Detroit Lions. Jones isn't an option for the faint of heart. He has 20 or more fantasy points in two of the last three games, but just 10.8 sandwiched in between. Jones's role has been mostly that of a game manager in 2022, and he's thrown zero touchdown passes in four of nine contests. This week, trust them versus Detroit's laughable defense of the position. No team has given up more fantasy points on the year, and much of the success is due to four rushing touchdowns allowed. This profiles well for a gamble on Jones in a week in which three viable starting quarterbacks are on by. Running back Isaiah Pacheco at Los Angeles Chargers. We saw him take over the backfield last week with 16 carries, but he has no role as a receiver, which makes him a risky play when facing a tough ground matchup. Luckily, this isn't one of them. LA has allowed the second most rushing yards per game since week 5, and a touchdown every 22 attempts is the seventh highest frequency. Barring something freaky happening, the rookie should be a strong fantasy play as LA looks to contend with all of the weapons in KC's powerful offense. Wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones at Buffalo Bills. He has quietly emerged as one of the best PPR number 3 receiving options in fantasy over the last six weeks. Peoples-Jones has logged at least nine PPR points in three of those contests, and he has more than 11 fantasy points in four straight. It's fair to assume that the attention paid to Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper will work in concert with a likely pass-heavy script from Cleveland to get Peoples-Jones into double figures yet again. Don't be scared off by the name of Buffalo. This defense has yielded the fourth most yards per game to wide receivers since week five, and only five defenses have allowed receivers to score at a higher clip. New York Jets tight end Tyler Conklin at New England. In the Week 8 Patriots win, Conklin racked up a pair of touchdowns on six catches for 79 yards. New England has struggled to contain the position all year, and it shouldn't come as a surprise if Conklin once again finds the end zone. Even still, Conklin is a fringe fantasy play in most formats, but deserves a lineup spot for those desperate to wager on another touchdown. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out The Huddle. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. one 800 4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. It's that time of the show where I throw three questions of the week at Luke. Here's question number one for you. It's a Devin White question, Luke. He was named NFC Player of the Week. And, you know, he was definitely inspired a little bit in this one. He lost his dad a few days before the game, which is tough to hear. 
Uh, and he balled out. He balled out. He had nine tackles, two sacks, forced a, a key fumble that saved a potential Seahawks touchdown right in this game. So here's the question. Was this the return of like vintage Devin White? Is that what you saw in this one? Uh, because we haven't been seeing that Devin White of old uh, all, all the time this year, right? They're, he's gotten some criticism, probably well-deserved. There's some bad film out there, some bad clips on social media. Was this the return, though, of vintage Devin White in your, uh, in your opinion? Luke, your estimation. I mean, I think that's what everybody hopes, right? I think that's probably what he hopes. You know, I, I think any any football player when they're not playing well, you, nobody needs to tell them. They, you know, they they watch the film. They have coaches that point out all that stuff. They they know stuff that even we probably won't be able to point out. Um, so they they know when they're struggling, and and I think that you know a couple of those plays, a couple of those weeks, you know, again, Devin White was NFC Defensive Player of the Month in September, so he had a hell of a September to start the year. Um, and I think honestly, the only the only knock that I think Bucks fans that have criticized him, and I'll put myself in there as well, because obviously I've been very vocal with his struggles. If you if you know if you're getting that kind of criticism, it's because of how much you're capable of, right? If if the if the expectations aren't high, nobody cares when you don't play well because no nobody's expecting you to play well. But Devin White was a number five overall pick for a reason, right? No, Devin White blew up the combine was dominant you know player at LSU and was a captain as in his second season with the Bucks. so his his talent his leadership ability what Devin White is capable of on Sundays rivals any off-ball linebacker in the NFL I, I, I at his best and his potential his talent his athleticism I'll put him up against anybody in terms of his potential and his ability the, the frustrating thing is when you see him play so inconsistently and when you see him not being that player on a down by down game by game basis right that's what's frustrating because you know how talented he is you know what he is capable of doing and you see it for a game here or a game there or a couple of games here you'll see it for a stretch the Bucks got the best Devin White we've ever seen at the exact time they needed it right that playoff run in 2020 Devin White was the best linebacker in football no doubt. for four weeks. And it was great. And the Bucks won a Super Bowl largely because of how well that defense played. And that defense played really well largely because of, of how well Devin White played. So, you know, I I think I'm taking grief, you know, from, from people on Twitter and Bucks fans that, that call me a, a Devin White hater and all this. I love Devin White. I think, I think in the world of him and his ability, and I think the reason that people like me have been critical when he hasn't played up to that, is just that we we know what he can be. It's just you want to see it on a week by week basis. So when you see games like the Pittsburgh game and the Baltimore game, where there's you know effort issues and missed assignments, and you're letting you know you're just getting lost in traffic and letting running backs leak out of the backfield and catch wide open touchdowns, like it's our job to point that stuff out. We have to be critical. We have to be constructive about that because otherwise we're not being objective. Otherwise we're just being homers and we're not being honest about what's happening on the field. So when you know a player has that much talent and ability and you're not seeing it consistently on the field, you got to, there's no reason not to point it out. But when you go out there and do what he did Sunday, again, he found out hours before he's supposed to get on the plane to go across the the ocean to another country that his dad passes away. I mean, I, I genuinely can't fathom what it's like to be in that sort of situation. His dad's Tom Brady's age, man. Like, his dad is young, and, and, and I know nobody's ever ready for that phone call, right? But even, at, you know, especially at that young age, yeah, it's just I can't imagine what it was like to have to decide 
you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get on this plane. I got to go overseas. We're going to play with my brothers. And he said it after the game, Todd Bowles gave him the game ball. And he said, there's nowhere else I'd rather be than, than with these, these people, with my brothers. You guys are a comfort to me. He said, um, and I just, I don't know, hats off to him. I, I, there's nothing else to say. I, I hope that people understand that when I, you know, when I criticize a player because of what I see on the field, it's nothing personal whatsoever. And when that player is obviously going through a horrible time, our thoughts and, and everything go out to Devin and his family. And, and I can't fathom what it's like to, to try to go through that, man. And to see him do that and then play the way he played on Sunday as well, I just, I, I have nothing but respect for the man. Um, and in, ter- but in terms of the football, we've always known that he's capable of being that player. He has the, the the ability to be one of the best linebackers in the game, and if, if that if he looks like he did on Sunday, if he looks like he did in Week One against Dallas, and really the whole month of September when he won the award, um, if he's playing like that, this defense is really really hard to beat. You cover you covered that question perfectly. It's just it's a good story. It, it yeah the, the part about is him losing his dad really tough, but you know sometimes sports you get those inspirational things and. Devin White was definitely an inspirational force in that game. He was awesome. And let's hope there's more to it. And, you know, critical analysis, Luke, that's, you got to do it in your line of work. I don't know who would want to, you know, just read, you know, rainbows and unicorns about their team all the time. You got to have critical analysis. That was kind of some of the inspiration behind the Devin White question. Here's the inspiration around question number two. I think it's just uh, stupidity. (laughs) Who do you blame most for the Lenny Fournette interception trick play? Okay, here's the here's question number two. Is it Byron Leftwich Because, you know, he is the offensive coordinator and, and had to okay the play and say, yeah, go ahead, run it. Uh, is it Tom Brady, who clearly thought he would be uncovered and could run down the sideline and gain a bunch of yards and catch the football because the broadcast showed him imploring the sideline to do something, and then right after that, they went for that play again, they, and they had just called it, right? Uh, and they kind of ignored Brady on the outside, so Brady clearly thought he'd be wide open. So is it Brady's fault? Or is it Lenny Fournette's fault for even attempting the pass because Tom was actually covered this time? The defender was right there. And I don't know why, Luke, he was showing no respect to Tom's speed on the go route, but he was just sitting there <laughs> waiting for the throw. He's like, Tom can't run and Lenny can't throw. I'm just going to stand right here. And yes, the ball comes right to him. Uh, and then Brady falls down. Uh, it was just a comedy of errors. Who is the most to blame? Terrible. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> all of the above. You just outlined all the ways in which all of those people are to blame. I think at the end of the day, if I had to blame one person, I guess I have to blame Byron because, and again, I know I've, I've criticized Byron a lot this year too, and he honestly had a, a great game play calling on Sunday. But the situation is what bothered me. It wasn't even necessarily the call because, again, you see that all the time. If you run a play and you see something open, you want to come back to it, right? You that, That's just whether it's a trick play or not. That happens all the time. It was the situation. They were pounding the ball down the Seahawks' yep. throat on that drive. Yep. They were doing whatever they wanted pass, play, action, run, everything was working. That is not the time. You're up 14 to nothing or three. I can't remember what it was. You're about to go up three scores if you just keep doing what you're doing and move the ball down the field. That is not the time to get cute. And it went disastrous. Think about if Tom had gotten hurt, dude. Like He did fall on his ass. Yes, he did fall. Something goes wrong, and that's the way your season goes down because you just decided we're gonna we're gonna get cute with this trick play even though we're up two scores and we're just driving the ball in their throats. Like it was bad enough as it was, it could have been somehow so much worse. And so I kind of got to put that at the feet of the coach for knowing the not knowing the situation. You got to be in that situation when your players come to you and be like, oh, this 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 this. That has to be that moment where you're like, guys, come on, no, not right now, not right. Maybe maybe next drive, maybe we then we go back to it. You know, and part of that is you got to wait a little bit. If you come back to it too quick, they're going to know, right? Same series, right, Luke? Same series. They have the they 
they have tablets too, right? That you know they can see and they they know they let it they left it open. So yeah, everybody's to blame. If I had to pick somebody, it's probably Byron because he's the coach and he's got he's got he's got to be the guy that puts the kibosh on that. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't think it works. So they had tried the the Fournette Wildcat thing with Brady on the outside. Uh, was it the same series they had tried it the first time? Did they go back to it the I same think it was series? The series before. Okay, I okay. Think it was yeah, that's before. I was trying to remember that. Much. Yeah, yeah. Too still too soon. Maybe come back to it in the second half or something. It was too soon. Like the defense knew exactly what they were going to try to do there. <laughs> they knew. Yeah, horrible play. Uh, but you know that happens sometimes. At least we can laugh about it. Nobody I've seen got a lot hurt. of bad plays, man. That's that's all. That was. That was, that was up there. It, that's why Twitter, you know, as as weird as Twitter is becoming with all the stuff going on there, uh, Twitter is still just a, a wonderful place when stuff like that happens. And I I did yeah. have some fun reading all the commentary on the on the trick play throw to Brady. He's forty five years old. I mean, Brady couldn't catch the ball ten years ago when the Patriots are trying those plays. Why we why try right. that now? Why now? Yeah. Why? All right. Question number three. For all the interna- international games we've seen over the years. You know, London, Mexico City. Now we've seen this game in Germany, Luke. The atmosphere was noticeably better. Why? Why was the atmosphere noticeably better and awesome in Germany compared to some of these other sites? I mean, that that did. It felt like the Super Bowl. It was loud. The crowd was into it. It was loud all the time. It didn't matter who had the ball. Every time they flashed to the crowd, it was kind of fun. Like the crowd looked like they were having a ball out there. It was it was fun. And I think the players enjoyed it too. the atmosphere. Why was Germany better? What do you think? I mean, I wish I had a good answer. I think yours yours is probably the best one that you gave me before we came on air. That they, you saw the massive beer signs that those guys it's, had. It's the beers. Those, those were like giant I mean, mugs. You have to pay like fourteen bucks for a, 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 a tiny little like shot glass of something at an NFL stadium in America. Uh, it feels like so. I don't know what they were charging over there, but I don't know, man. I, I just maybe it was the weather. The weather was really nice. Um, you know, it wasn't the, the slippery turf wasn't because it was, you know, pouring rain or anything. I, I don't know what it was. I've been to England. I've never been to Mexico or, uh, or, or Germany. I don't know what the vibe is that, that would have made it different for that game. But, um, maybe, maybe it's just the fact that that was their first one, you know, and maybe that, you know, the NFL's made a couple of trips to different places, but I, all I can say is they showed out, man, the, the German fans know how to throw a party uh and they they made the most of their first opportunity to see live nfl football over there in the regular season and to see all those people like locking arms and singing like take me home country roads and living <laughs> on a prayer and yeah. like uh, like that's just hilarious i don't know I, it was just a, such a fun vibe and to see how much the players enjoyed it and just fed off of it it was fantastic to watch yeah and i did see you know pre-game i think on nfl network roger goodell was on there and he's talking about how the fans in germany actually they really understand the american football game they do they, they get they it do, man and then i think that plays into it too and in, in london sometimes with the brits you know you kind of they don't really know like they'll start chanting defense defense when they're when they're trying to get behind why, the team why why does the play stop <laughs> right exactly they just why is it stopping this is stupid. They, they get really loud like the st- like you know i heard i've had friends that have gone to some of those games in london and uh you know the it'll say on the board like make some noise because you know there's always like a, a quote-unquote home team so make some noise get, get so the crowd gets really loud but then they quiet down for the snap they're like ooh, ooh he's gonna snap the ball everyone quiet down you know they just don't quite get the, what the uh right. what the objective is there and yeah, but I think hey, in Germany, strokes, man. different strokes. It's all good. The beers, man. The beers were huge. Uh, and Americans, they'd be passed out all over the place in the aisles, fighting each other, streaking on the field. Like it would be, you you can't give Americans uh, beers that size. Uh, only in Germany is that okay. The the atmosphere was 
the best I've seen for these international games. The field might have been the worst. The turf was horrible. The turf was horrible. So they got to figure that out. But we need more games in Germany and better turf. We do. Yeah, we do, man. But turf. yeah, the U.S. doesn't have the infrastructure for beers that big. We, we got to have, <laughs> you know, we got to have systems in place to be prepared for that. Oh Germany gosh. was ready. They were I, ready to go. I mean, I don't know if I could have drank two of those. I would be, you know, I'd be, I'd be passed out. I wouldn't make it to the second half. So there's our there's our questions of the week. The Bucks are heading to their bye week at five and five, and Luke and I are going to take a look at the schedule remaining and where the Bucks could end up. We'll play win loss here right after this, but first, all right, we're back. The Bucks, as we said, heading into their bye week at five and five. It's much better than uh, what was it three and five a couple weeks ago, Luke? <laughs> much better. Yeah. Uh, what a difference two weeks make. Yeah. So we've got let's see how many games we got left. One, two. Three, four, five, seven. six, seven games left. I know math is not my strong suit. I should know that off the top of my head. 10 plus 7 is 17. Yes, seven games left. Uh, so let's rattle these off. And I just want to just tell me win or loss, whatever comes, uh, whatever pops in your head, Luke, and I'll chart them as we go. And then we'll talk about it at the end. Uh, after the bye week, week um, week 12, the Bucks are at the Browns. That's a win. That's a win. We got a keen hick back. He's going to help stop the run. Uh, Kobe reset. Probably should scare me because the Bucks don't play well against uh, obscure quarterbacks, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's got to be a win. They're, they're feeling good. They're going up there. It's going to be nice and chilly. Brady likes some, some, uh, some cold weather. Uh, they're they're going to win that game. I agree. Coming out of the bye week, still no Deshaun Watson. He's back in week 13. So the Bucks, you know, they, he, they dodged the uh, Deshaun Watson thing. Um, he actually returns against the Texans. That's interesting. But, yeah, I, I got to win as well. All right. Oh, it's not interesting, Ryan. It's very, very specific. <laughs> let's, <laughs> yes. Let's be honest about whoever makes decisions. Let's, that was not unintentional. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, the NFL with that thing. It's like, yeah, Russell Wilson returns we to Seattle in week one. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Probably yeah. shouldn't, but there's, yeah, there's, that, was, yeah. that was intentional. There's plenty of that. All right, after the Browns, home Saints on Monday Night Football. Ryan, I, I can't tell you how much I need this to be an absolute woodshedding. Like, I need the Bucks to do what the Saints have done to them for the last two or three years in this particular game, right? Late season, prime time, in Tampa, and they just, they always, they always fall flat, right? They yes. always come yeah, in, in that spot. They just don't, yeah. whether it was 38-3 to three or 9 to nothing, I can't honestly decide which one of those was more embarrassing. Um, Thirty-eight to three, but they've got to they've got to do that. They've got to do that kind of thing. They've they've got to take the Saints are terrible. They're not a very good football team. They have some very specific good players that are still on their team, but they're not a very good team. I don't think De- Dennis Allen has done a very good job coaching that team this year. Um, I, they have got to win this game by a lot. The Bucks fans have endured way too many flat games in this specific game in this scenario at home and prone time. The Bucks fans deserve a blowout dominant victory and to be able to rub it in Saints fan face. Yeah, I see I see a win here. Saints are a dumpster fire. I think the coach is not good and uh no more voodoo magic. I think it's gone. I don't think the Saints are that team this year. So yeah. Hey, hey, at least at least Saints fans hang the hang the hat on the fact that they are getting a better draft pick every week, except for, for the, the fact for that the it goes to the Eagles. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah, that. Please send my best to John Sigler. Sorry, uh, no, buddy. He, he, I think he's he's in pain. He gets him in more pain about that every single week as the weeks go on. Uh, John, I Sigler. mean, I would too. My 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 latest mock draft is going to go up on Thursday on DraftWire. The Eagles are getting Will Anderson with that pick. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. that's pain. That's hurt, a straight pain. A lot. Straight pain for them. All right, after the Saints game, we could be seven and five at the Forty ers 
See, I, I this one's tough because I think the 49ers should win that game. I think they're very, particularly very good on defense. I feel like it, it, the only hope the Bucks have is if they're able to contain the playmakers and make Jimmy Garoppolo beat them. And I think he makes some mistakes, and I think they can win that way. But the thing that keeps me from from like jumping on the 49ers are definitely going to win this game is do you really think Tom's going to go to San Francisco and play against like his childhood team and not not throw for four bills and four touchdowns? Like that's the part that keeps me from being like this is definitely a, a win or a loss. Like yeah. I just I don't know. I feel like Brady goes to San Francisco and just just pours it on out there. I I don't know. Maybe that's just too altruistic of me. But I, I mean, especially if this is it for Brady, which again we don't really know. He's going to go to San Francisco and be like, this is this is the team that, that I would have played for. Again, they're one of like, what, eight, ten teams now that said, well, we, you know, we wanted him. But <laughs> yeah, so-and-so sure. over there yeah. said no. Revisionist history. You know, let's be clear. I mean, there's no, I don't think it's, it's silly to think that Brady wanted to play for them, right? I, 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 you know, the team he rooted for growing up in California as a kid, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just feel like this is one of those goat games where nothing else is going to matter except the, the, the fact that number 12 is, is on your team, and I think he wins that game. Could Brady shred them up? Maybe, but I will say this. Is there a better head coaching candidate that, that you like more than D'Amico Ryans? No, I there's not. Have I told him. you my D'Amico Ryans story? No, but I love him, so give it to me. Um, someday I will tell you my D'Amico Ryans yeah. story. It's okay. a really fun story. Okay. But yes, he is absolutely one of my favorite He's candidates. He's awesome. In San Francisco... They, you know, they got Christian McCaffrey. They could get Odell Beckham Jr. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I guess it's Cowboys or Giants for him, but we'll see. That that's a. I don't think it's a definite loss. A potential loss, though, at Forty ers That's a potential loss. I feel it. I feel it. With you. On paper, I think they they are definitely. It looks like a loss to me. Yeah. It just feels like one of those games where Brady's not going to let it happen. Brady's not going to allow it. I'm with you. Okay. So after that one. Home Bengals. This is the toughest stretch, I think, at Forty ers And home yep. Bengals. You know, could Cincinnati have it all figured out at that point? What do you think? Yeah, I think they lose that game. I, I think that feels like the game where, like, oh, we're rolling, we're happy now, and maybe you get, maybe you just a little, a little too overconfident. And and again, assuming Jamar Chase is back and healthy, they've got some playmakers on defense. They've got enough on defense. That just that feels like a game that that Bucks fans are going to be disappointed with the fact that they could, you know, just keep rolling and get another win. And 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 I think I think the Bengals win that game. Yeah, I could see that happening uh, at Arizona. Yeah, I Christmas night, right? You're yep. you're you're on the road. You're out west. I feel like there's a chance for Arizona um, to capitalize on home field advantage. Bucks have had some trouble with mobile quarterbacks in the past. Um, Nuke is playing out of his mind now that he's back from his suspension. Maybe Marquise Brown is back by that point. I don't I don't think we know that yet. Very balanced offense. Uh, but that defense is kind of bad. That defense is terrible. Um, I think this might be a, a close one. Um, and, again, it, it'll come down to turnovers and the things it always does. But, again, big stage, Christmas night. I think Brady shines. I think the Bucks do just enough, and, and they win a close one in Arizona. Yeah, it's a win. All right, I'll do these last two. These are the last two games of the year, two division opponents. Got to have uh, them. Got to have them. Home Panthers at Falcons. Go ahead, Luke. You can't lose them. You can't lose them. And I realize now I'm picking them to lose one more time across the rest of the season. That just feels like a really dumb thing to do. <laughs> um, but but as a whole, you break this down, you've got to have all three of those division games, right? That's that's where you start. You, yep. You've got three very bad teams in your division. You cannot lose any of those games. So you get those three, you're eight and five, right? So that leaves San Francisco and Cincinnati. You can afford to lose those games. 
And you can't really afford to lose to Arizona because now they're getting into the point where maybe depending on how, how they've done, they're getting into the playoff race. NFC West is really weird. Um, you know, it's, it's and again, we mentioned Cleveland, so they've won that game. So they can afford to lose two of those maybe. You know, if you lose three, then it's getting really dicey. And, and really the only thing that will save them if they lose three of those games is the fact that if none of them come against the division opponent, and they still beat all the division opponents and everybody else is bad enough in the NFC South to where they, they still win the NFC South, you're going to be okay. Um, but, I mean, they could conceivably, you know, afford to lose three, two, if not three of those games and still have a home playoff game. It's, it's got to stop and start with those division games. They've got to sweep those division games and everything else. I, I think they'll take their chances. Yep, for sure. I think there's a, a definite path here. I don't think they're going to win all these games. I think they'll lose a couple of them. But I could see them getting to 10-7. I think you know that's. Yeah. I think that's yeah. a good number for them. Yeah, I think ten and seven will be plenty to win the division, um, and and that's all. That's all you need. You just got to get in the door, and I don't care what happens, but from week one to now, from now to the end of the season, I guarantee you, nobody is going to want to face Tom Brady's team in the playoffs. Hell no. I, I just it doesn't matter. Hey, look on paper and see the talent this team has. I know they haven't played up to it the whole time, but. If this team gets healthier between now and then, if they're able to, to have most of these guys that, that they expected to have, and let's not forget, maybe Ryan Jensen's back. We don't know that. That's we don't have no yeah. idea the prognosis, right? Like a Vita, we don't know like a Vita Vea thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. What if the Vita Vea things happen and maybe he wins, you know, maybe they don't have him in the wild card game, but, you know, if they go to the division round and he, he comes back for that, Oh boy, nobody nobody's gonna want to face this team. I don't care who you are. We saw, you know, you know, breaks in the armor this week with the Eagles. We've, you know, the Vikings have lived by the the skin of their teeth the whole season. You know, you can look around the whole NFC and see that if the Bucks play up to their potential, if they get healthier by the end of the year, I'm telling you, man, nobody's gonna want to face this team. I'm with you. I I still think it's kind of wide open in the NFC. The Bucks could have a home game, and then you still got the defense that's been there all year, and you got Brady. And I know the offense has only played you know, one good game against Seattle, right? That we can even remember this season. And still, uh, so I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I do think there's there's definitely that potential where the Bucks get into the playoffs as a division winner with a you know maybe nine or ten wins. I think it'll be ten. And you win a game at home, then you go on the road, and yes, exactly, you're the team that nobody wants because of the way you can play defense, get after the quarterback. You have Brady. Maybe the offense is playing better. You have weapons if you're healthy. Maybe you get some guys back. Yep, yep. I still think, uh, you know, the purpose of this exercise, Luke, is just to say uh, we're back. We got to seize it again. We're 5-5, five and five, heading into the bye week. We're hopefully through the worst of it, right? What was it, like four or five we lost or something? It was ridiculous. Uh, but now we've, we, you know, we got it back on the rails, hopefully. We've kind of got that line drawn in the sand now where we can say, all right, here we're at. We're out here. We're moving forward. We're going to make, we can still make a run at this thing. It's, it's not over yet. So, um I think it's it's definitely still ahead of you. You you could still be that team that makes a run just like you did in 2020. Yeah, and again, all you got to do is get in the door. I don't think unless they really fall off the map, you know, they're going to do enough over the seven games to get in the playoffs. And once that happens, nothing else matters. You know, all the thing go back to 2020. You know, the blowout loss to the Saints, all these moments where we felt like you know that first quarter against the Chiefs, right? Ever all these moments where you're like, oh, it's just not going to happen. You're seven and five. Like, none of that will matter if they get in the door and 
get the job done like they did in 2020. So I, I don't see why there's any reason to think they're not capable of doing that. Again, you've got the bye week. Mike Evans is dealing with a couple injuries. He gets a little healthier. Logan Ryan might be back from the foot injury. A guy they, they've you know really relied on. He was a, a big presence for them on defense until he got hurt. I think that's an underrated return that the Bucks could have. A lot of reasons why, as long as they, again, they can afford a couple losses. As long as they don't lose those division games, they win the division, get in the playoffs. They're going to be the team nobody wants to pick. Definitely sounds familiar. Definitely sounds familiar. Doesn't hit that path. So, uh, good stuff as always from Luke Easterling. Make sure you're checking him out on the Bucks Wire. Uh, he and the team are doing great things over there. Uh, all things Bucks. Great way to consume Bucks content. And again, you want to be ahead of the curve, just like I was with Rashad White in that Germany game. You got to read Bucks Wire. You got to check Luke out. So. Uh, for Luke, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us this week on the show. We appreciate you, and uh, we will we'll catch you next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.